0: So well, let's get into our second installment on the year of the Bible and uh, what we're doing. We're teaching you out of what we have read this past week. We start reading, we read a whole week, and then we're going we're gonna to take words out of that to, to help you. And today we want to talk about God's plan for man because God has a plan. Now, l- let me explain something right from the beginning that God is in control. Now, I know that's a, that's a cliche that we say as Christians, but it's really true God Almighty is in control of everything that's going down. He hasn't lost control of anything. If you think the world's spiraling out of control, the world might spiral out of control, but God doesn't, okay? Your personal life might be up and down and in and out, but God is not. He is the stable, straight line, and his plan is that way. The plan of God is just tremendous. I love it. And you know, I love it because God, he had an original design. God is, is ahead of everybody, and so he designs this wonderful thing, and in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, you read it this week, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the very beginning, you say, when was the beginning? I don't know when the beginning was, but in the beginning, God did this. By the way, as you read the word of God, don't get all derailed about things you don't understand or try to figure out every little bitty thing. You'll be bogged down in Genesis 1-1 for the rest of your life, trying to figure out in the beginning. Now, was the beginning really the beginning? Or was it sort of like the second beginning? Or is there a third beginning? And where did dinosaurs come from? And everybody gets tangled up on that stuff that really and truly, honestly, to be honest with you, as far as my daily life is concerned, dinosaurs just don't figure into it. Unless my grandkid leaves one on the floor and I step on it with my bare foot, then dinosaurs figure into my daily walk. Now, he created the heavens and earth. That mean, and you read it, he created the day and the night. He created the sky. He created the oceans. And then he created the land and vegetation. He created the fish and the birds and the animals. And then he looked at everything They he said, it's good. Every time he would create something, he said, he said, this is good because everything God creates is good. Everything. He's a good God to all people. And then after he created all of this, he must have looked around and said, you know what? This is all good, but I, I think I can do a little bit better. And so he created human beings. He created human beings. It's so wonderful how he did that. You know, he piled up some dirt, he breathed into a pile of dirt, and all of a sudden, Adam became a living soul, and then, of course, you know, he put Adam to sleep, he took a rib out of Adam's side, he created a woman. That's hard for some people to believe, I know that, but I believe that, exactly the way it happened. So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, this is what it said, God said this about human beings, he says, "'Let us make human beings in our image to be like ourselves.'" They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals. I want you to remember that wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So he created man in his own image, in his own likeness. In other words, he created man with the character of God and the heart of God. That's that's his original design, folks. Don't don't let's not look at it what's going on now. But the original design was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are going to create human beings just like God. He gave them dominion. He said, You're the boss over all the earth, all of the vegetation. You're the boss over every animal, no matter what size, no matter what, what, uh, what species. You own it all. Matter of fact, Adam named all the animals. He was one smart guy. I mean, Broadcast that. That's a hippopotamus, that's a zebra. You know what I mean? That's a dog, a bird, you know, this kind of bird, that kind of bird. I mean, he was brilliant because that's God's original design that man be brilliant and have dominion. And then he blessed, he blessed the man. You read that this week. He blessed the man and the woman. He said, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. Man and woman, fruitful together, multiply. Only man Woman, together, multiply. That's God's original design. And then he gave them favor. He blessed them. He said, I'm gonna put my favor on you. And and then he encouraged them to be fruitful and multiply. And then he gave them provision. He said, everything in this garden you can have. Eat it all up, man. And some people think, oh, the the vegetarians, they got it made, he said, eat all the vegetation. But later on he said, hey, eat the animals too. So animals really and truly, you know, I like them all, but guess what, they taste real good. That's why you should never be friends with your cow. One day I came home from school, I was raising a chicken, one chicken, I was raising one chicken, one. I had one chicken. I came home from school and the the stove, when you walked into the kitchen, the stove was right there and they had a pot, they had a stew cooking. I said, Mom, what's for supper? She said, chicken. I went out to feed my chicken. My chicken was no longer there. We ate my chicken that night. So don't make pets with chickens either, because you're gonna... You have to forgive us, we are Cajuns. You know what I mean? And so we eat pet chickens. But then God said something really, really great. He didn't really say it in words, but he, 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 he performed it in actions. He said, I want to fellowship with this human being I've made. In other words, I want to be together with him. I want to spend time with him. I want to have a relationship with him. And so he placed the man in paradise and he said, live and keep it. And every day he would come and walk with Adam and Eve and he would talk with them and he would fellowship. That's a church word. He would communicate with them. He would spend time with them. I believe he talked with them face to face by word. I don't know what language, but I believe he communicated that way. Maybe it was telepathically. Maybe maybe he didn't need language. Maybe if you're that close to God, you know, sometimes you don't need a language. Sometimes God will just speak in your heart. You know what I mean? And so it was wonderful. It was perfect. He looked at everything. He said, This is great. It's wonderful. He placed in the garden all these trees. He placed in the garden the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, Hey, guys. Everything you want is yours, every provision, except that one thing, don't mess with that thing. Don't go around it, don't don't eat, just leave it alone, would you? He placed also in the garden the tree of life, which is eternal life, which is literally, if they ate of the tree of life, they would live forever. That was God's original design. It's wonderful, isn't it? How many of you like to live up in there? I mean, come on now. Probably was like 72 and a half degrees, cool breeze blows, <laughs> filtered sunlight, flower smelling. My goodness, I would like that. Like living in paradise, because it was. It was perfect. Everything was great. That was his a design. But then man comes along, and honestly, folks, man just had this monumental... Mishap. Just this, this monumental thing took place. They're in the garden, man. Folks, they, they've got full authority over everything. It is wonderful and it is perfect. And then man gets messed up with an animal. Genesis chapter 3 the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals. He was a wild animal. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of these trees in the garden? He said, of course we may eat from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, we could do this. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. I just want to stop right here and say, you know what? Nothing positive is going to come out of having a conversation with the devil. Just, just to put it out, some of you don't understand that, but honestly, you know it. Have conversations with God, and and everything else will be taken care of. And so the devil just answers her. This is the devil, the serpent. This this is Satan speaking through a serpent to this woman. And you say, well, snakes talk. Not lately, but <laughs> evidently there they did. And you, another thing, don't try to explain that. Okay, you'll get all caught up. But this is what he said to her. He said, you won't die, contradicting God. And God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, which by the way, they were already like God. They were already created in the image and likeness of God. You're going to know both good and evil, which by the way, you don't need to know both good and evil. Wouldn't you like to just be a person who knows only good? Wouldn't you like to be innocent again? Come on, just absolutely innocent. You don't get the dirty joke on the job. You just don't, you're not there. You don't, you don't get the drift. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. Three points here, just real quick. It's the lust of flesh. It's the lust of the eye. She saw it. She saw that it was good and it's the pride of life. She wanted the wisdom that it would give her, but yet they had all the wisdom they needed. Why is it that we travel into places to get experiences that we do not need. And there they were. And so she took some of the fruit and ate it, and then she gave it to her husband, who was right there with her. And he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame, instantly felt shame, at their nakedness. And so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So, a monumental mishap here. It's more than just, we, we, we messed up and we ate of a tree. It was disobedience to God. And that's taken lightly so many times, but it was disobedience. So what, what happened When the mishap took place, when the trip up, when the sin took place, what happened? Well, they fell, they died. They began to die physically because God meant it when he said, if you eat of this tree, you're going to surely die. And so death entered in right there. Sin brings death. And death entered in, and God, God began to just see mankind just dying off. It never was the original plan of God for man to die. They were cursed. We keep going in the third chapter, and and God talks to the, you know, the woman, he says, You're cursed. You're gonna have pain in childbirth. That's that's what happened here. And, And by the way, man, you're gonna work hard, you're gonna sweat, it's gonna be tough. You're gonna till the land, it's gonna be very, very hard, it's gonna be different than it was. And then he looked at the devil and he said, you know what, devil, you are just going to be uh, despised. Uh, you know, the lowest of all animals, you're going to crawl on your belly. And you know how it is, you've done this, or you've heard somebody say this, you know, uh, he's a snake in the grass. You want to you put somebody down, just call him a snake. You forked him, got beady eyes like a little snake. You know how it is, you know, and I don't know about you, but I don't like snakes either. No, nope, any kind of snake, none, not one. Some are good. They eat certain things. Leave them alone. Let them, but, but they're despised. I mean, you know, they're slippery. They're slimy. They, they get into places that they ought to not be. And then mankind was separated from God. He put them out of the garden, out of his presence. And he was so serious about it that he put an angel with a flaming sword at the entrance to, to Eden. And he said they can't come back in because if they come back in, they just might eat of the tree of life and live forever in this condition. And that's not what I want. Because the original design was tainted by the monumental mishap of man. We do know how to mess things up. And then they lost all authority. Oh, my goodness. They should have ruled over the serpent. He was a wild animal. God gave dominion to Adam and Eve over every wild animal and they never took the authority that they were supposed to take. We get into trouble and we get into the danger zone when we don't operate in the authority that God has given us over the powers of darkness and over the the, the ways of this world and we just kind of dabble around and we just nibble on the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when sin entered in, all of creation fell. Why do you think snakes bite, bees bite, and lions eat lambs? That was not the way that God ever intended it to be. If you know your Bible, you know that in the end, the lion will lay down with the lamb and the the children will play at the den of the poisonous snake because it's going to be reverted back to the way it was. All the hostility, sin brings separation. And when man is separated from God, look, the sky is the limit. But you know what? You would think that God's plan always oh, thwarted. Oh, there's no way, God, you messed up, you're not ready. But there's another part to the story that is God's prevailing plan. God has a plan. Look, man did the mishap, man deviated from the plan, but God's plan goes straight forward. That's what I love about it. Pastoring many years, I've seen many people do a lot of crazy things up and down and all around. But one thing I can say Jesus is the same today tomorrow and forever. He is the same. I mean, he's just like a straight line and he prevails, his plan prevails. And what I love about it is in, in, the, in the 15th chapter of the third, third, 15th verse of the third chapter, when, when the Lord is speaking to the, to the serpent and cursing him, right in the middle of that, in the 15th verse, he gives a prophetic word, a foretelling word, a futuristic word about Jesus. And this is what he says. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. That is nothing more than a prophetic word of Calvary because that's exactly what happened. The seed of the woman bruised the head of Satan. Now, in doing that, Jesus was bruised on Calvary, wasn't he not? Isaiah 53 clearly states that, Psalm 22 clearly states what happened at the crucifixion. His heel was bruised, but I tell you what, he crushed the head of Satan. You hear what I'm saying? The power of Satan, though it is still resident in the world, does not have to be resident and effective in the believer because Jesus has crushed his head. This wonderful thing, this shows that it's like, oh, well, God dealt that card right there. No, 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 no. That was already dealt That was already in the plan. One thing I love about serving God is that he knows the past and the future and everything in between. And some people have a a problem with that. They think God's on the human plane discovering, but God doesn't discover anything. He creates things and he knows everything about everything. And he has a plan for everything. I just wanna take you through a few mishaps of the human race and show you how God triumphs over that. Genesis chapter three, verse 21. And the Lord made clothing from animal skins for Adam and Eve and his wife Eve. You, you see, when they fell, they saw they were naked. Evidently, they were covered with some kind of covering before they sinned. Some Bible scholars say it's the glory of God. I can, I can embrace that. There was a the presence of God. And when they sinned, the glory left, and they looked, and they were naked, and they were ashamed. And so they sewed fig leaves together, which is what we do. Come on now. Because when we feel ashamed, we want to cover up. And so we grab anything we can. Well, they grabbed all that they knew, fig leaves out of the vegetation. They made this little stylish little two piece for her and maybe a little little one piece for him, you know, and they, they sport around and figure, it's it's good enough. And God came and said, it's not good enough because your self-righteous acts can never cover your sin. And so right here is where, where the Lord, he, he really instituted the sacrificial system of the blood sacrifice, of the killing of innocents in order to cover the shame of sin. He killed an innocent animal. The blood of an innocent animal was shed so that they could take the skins and cover man. A sort of the sacrificial system, a sort of showing Jesus Christ and his sacrifice to come. Innocency always has to pay the price for shame. Genesis chapter six, we move further. Here we have the earth. It's in a mess by now. It only took six chapters for man to really mess things up. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just a couple of days of reading. And man is so wicked that God says every thought of every man on the entire earth is to do evil continually A side note is that Jesus said he will come back and it will be just like in the day of Noah. So all of you who are hoping for some utopian Edom experience on this earth, I want you to forget that we're passing through. We're gonna jettison this thing sooner or later and go be with Jesus. But watch this. God says things are in bad shape, but he he found a man named Noah and he said, I'm gonna put favor on him something about this man. And of course his family followed him. But in the sixth chapter, it says, "'Look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood "'that will destroy every living thing that breathes. "'Everything on earth will die, "'but I will confirm my covenant with you.'" Wow, I love that. I'm gonna make a covenant with you. "'So enter the boat, you and your wife "'and your sons and their wives. "'Enter the ark.'" You know what the ark was? The ark was Jesus. Judgment is getting ready to come. And so I'm making a place for you. I could have judged you in the garden of mankind, but I, I killed an animal and covered your shame. I could have destroyed every living human being on the earth, but I created a, an ark so you could get in with some of the animals and you'll be saved. And after the flood and Noah landed the boat, in the ninth chapter, God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply and I want you to fill the earth. In other words, my plan is continuing. We had, to, we had to do a little sidebar here. I had to destroy the whole earth, but my plan for man is the same. I'm telling you the same thing that I told you in the garden, be fruitful and multiply, and they did, and we're here now. The wonderful thing about when Noah landed the boat and came out of that ark, he built an altar and he worshiped God. And when he worshiped God, there came the word of the Lord to him to continue on, and to be fruitful and to multiply. Later on, Abraham is born, you read about that, and then his nephew Lot, Lot finds himself in a, in a mess, and he's in a place called Sodom. You know Sodom and Gomorrah, another place that's wicked, horribly wicked, you read about that this morning. You know, it's, we, we kind of, we'll bar from week to week a little bit to, to bring some cohesiveness to the message, but watch this. Lot is in Sodom and God comes and says, I'm destroying this city and all the cities around it because the wickedness, I've heard about the wickedness. It's horrible, I've gotta do something about it. I'm getting ready to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he sends angels in there, and in the 19th chapter, the 16th verse, when Lot still hesitated, in other words, the angels came to him and said, hey, Lot, I want you, and you got anybody with you? Your wife, okay, you got two daughters, you got uh, their fiancees, get them all together and get out of here because I can't destroy this place until you leave. So he hesitates, I don't know about you, but man, I wouldn't hesitate. But evidently he's hesitating for whatever reason, and he hesitates. And the angels, they mean business. They seized him by his hand and the hand of his wife and two daughters. So, Fiances to future son-in-laws, they didn't make it. They thought he was joking. You know, they thought he was joking. A lot of people think that we're joking, but it's not a joke, really. They didn't believe. They stayed behind. He seized their hands and rushed them to safety outside the city. Now I want you to look at this very carefully. For the Lord was merciful. He was merciful. Peter writes in the New Testament that righteous lot was vexed every day because of the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah. So it doesn't matter what the 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 way that man goes, it doesn't matter. What matters is that God's plan is never changing. He is going to pull people out of where he needs to. And I tell you, the day is coming where God, I don't know exactly when, I don't know exactly how, but he is going to extract the church out, but he cannot destroy this earth with fire until the church is safe in his presence. And so God had an original design. Man had a monumental mishap, but God's plan is prevailing straight through. And so now we get closer to what's happening to us today. And God is personified. I mean, father, son, Holy Spirit, hold a conference and the son says, I'm going to go, I'll take care of this. Father says, go on down there. And it's an amazing thing that took place. Jesus had a miracle birth we read this in Matthew chapter one. The angel tells the woman, tells the, uh, Joseph says, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, go tell some people that who don't know about God. And she will have a son and you're to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. How's he gonna do that? John chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word, And then further down it says, and the word became flesh and dwell among us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father. We saw him, we said, he's from God. He's the son of God. It's a miracle birth. But then Jesus had a public debut because he's walking down by the Jordan River and they and his cousin, John the Baptist, In John chapter 1, verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him, and this is what he said. He said, look, everybody, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here he is. His public debut. This is the one who is going to be slain. He's innocent. He's going to pay the price. You see, the type and shadow in the garden was the innocent animal that God killed to clothe Adam and Eve. It's the same lamb that was slain in Exodus that you'll read, and the blood was put on the doorpost to keep people from dying because of sin. And so here's John the Baptist just giving him a public debut. You say, here he is. But then there was Jesus' private testing. Look, every time you got something public going on, you got something private going on. And Jesus goes into the wilderness. As a matter of fact, he is baptized in water. John, his cousin, baptizes him, says, when he came out of the water, There was a voice from heaven said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. There was a shape of of the spirit of God in the form of a dove that came and and landed on Jesus. And right there is where we see the Trinity. The son is in the water, the father is in heaven speaking, and the Holy Spirit is descending in the form of a dove. And the Bible says right after that, that that the spirit of God drove Jesus into the wilderness. Now we don't have any wildernesses around here, but back over there they do. Rocky Craigs, desert, hard, hostile, hot country. He goes in there and he faces the devil face to face, one-on-one, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, and he overcomes every temptation that the snake throws at him because he threw the same temptation at Jesus that he threw at Eve. Eve the lust of the eye, see all this land, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, you're gonna have power and glory. All you gotta do is bow down to me. That's all you gotta do. And Jesus overcame that temptation and never make light of that, that was a big deal. Adam and Eve fell in a perfect environment and Jesus overcame in the most hostile environment. And Hebrews says this, he says, Jesus knows all about you because he has been tested every way you've been tested, but without sin. So if you're wondering if Jesus can relate to you in your dilemma right now, or your your sin, or your problem, or your, 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 your temptation, I want you to know that he can, and he will do that. They lost in the perfect environment. Jesus won in the most hostile environment. Jesus is our hero. He is the undefeated one, the lion and the lamb. Come on now. And so where does that lead us? What about today? What can we take away from this perfect plan of God, this mishap of man, but then to see this perfect prevailing plan and then Jesus personified? Well, I believe we see something very, very powerful in the gospel of Matthew chapter six. I think we see Jesus with his directional input because he's got input in our life. We know this more like the Lord's prayer. His disciples came and said, Jesus, can you teach us to pray? And Jesus said, okay, this is, this is the way you do it. And what we saw this week in preparing this is that really and truly, this is like Garden of Eden proclamations. Now, I wanna tell you, we're not in the garden. We're in a hostile environment, folks. I don't know if you understand that or not, but it's very, very hostile to believers. And I'm not talking about a government that wants to take away an amendment. I'm talking about a demonic warfare that is bigger and greater than what most people understand. But I think Jesus gives us the answer here to have a garden mentality and to have a garden atmosphere, even in the midst of hostility. In other words, I believe Jesus is showing us how to overcome in the midst of adversity. And so when he he taught them how to speak, how to pray, He said this, first of all, he said, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. And what that is really saying is this, it's saying worship, worship your holy God. I don't worship because I have the victory. I don't worship because I'm strong. You don't have to worship because you've got all the answers. You worship because he is king. You see, I can't filter my worship through my ability or inability to overcome or to be defeated. I filter it through the glory of God that he is father in heaven. And your name is to be kept holy and separated. Worship. You worship him. You worship him. The next thing he said, may your kingdom come soon and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The attitude here is submission and obedience. Lord, I want your will to be done, not my will to be done. Lord, your will is for me to eat of the tree of, the, of life, not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Lord, your will is for me to stay holy, not to go here, not to say this, not to do this, not to believe that, not to do, not to get involved. Lord, you you want me to, Lord, Lord, your will, not my will. I'm going to be obedient and submit it to your will. Not what I think about myself, not what somebody thinks about me. Not where I've been, what I've done, not what my daddy did to me or didn't do to me or what my family did or didn't do and all that kind of stuff. It's just, God, you're great and I want your will to be done on earth just like it is in heaven. I'm going to submit, I'm going to be obedient to you. Jesus nailed that in the garden when he said, not what I want, God, but what you want. I got I to surrender right here. And sometimes in the midst of your biggest problems, if you surrender to God, he'll make a way that there doesn't seem to be a way at all. Because some of you in places right now, you're like up against a brick wall. I mean, it's just like you in the wall and you can see nothing else. But I'm telling you, Jesus will make a way for you if you'll submit yourself to his will and be obedient to him. And then Jesus says, pray this also, give us today our daily bread. Give us today the food we need, which is very, very simple, provision. He gave it in the garden. He said, everything you need. And by the way, you read it today. Everything you need, God will give you everything you need. I'm not talking about a Hollywood lifestyle. I don't know about all of that, but I know this, that I'm going to have enough food. I'm going to have enough clothing. I'm going to have transportation. Come on now. I'm going to have a place to live. I'm going to be all right, but I got to trust Jesus for provision. You understand? I don't want to get all tied up in a lot of things that don't work. And then, then, you know what? Blame God for something he never promised. Blame God for something he never promised, but embrace the things that he has promised. He'll give provision, our daily bread. That means sometimes it's just at this, (laughs) in just the right moment. I mean, it's like, I'm getting ready to fall down, God, and then there he is. I love the way God rescues us and makes a way with the next stepping stone. That's the life of faith, folks. Religion won't do anything for you like this, but faith will. And then Jesus goes on. He says, another step is to forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. You know what this is? This is reconciliation and fellowship. Because listen, and you read it, you read it today. If we don't forgive people, God will not forgive us. Now, folks, you, you know, I'll tell you, some of you hold on to bitterness. You hold on to unforgiveness. You hold on to things that happen. And, and I want to tell you something right now. You wonder why you're caving in and why there seems to be no joy, no victory, and can't move forward, just kind of stagnated. You know, it's because you, you didn't cut off the fellowship with God. Because if I don't forgive you, then God says, you've stopped The, the God didn't stop it. I am the one who has the log jam. I'm the one who stopped it. And the moment you forgive and release people, come on, you might well let them go, you know why? Because they are gone anyway. They are having a good time and you're stuck in the past eight years ago or eight days ago. When you forgive others, God forgives you. And then the last thing that Jesus says, he says, when you pray and remember this, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. That is victory, folks. That is victory where God says, "You know what? I'm going to protect you from the evil one." I believe that God protects us from the devil. I believe we have dominion in Christ over the powers of darkness. In Christ, not a boastful thing like I'm this on I'm but in Christ when the battle rages the winds and waves, they still know his name. And the devil still knows the name of Jesus. And you need to use the name of Jesus. Don't just be raped. Don't let your life be run over. Stand firm in trust in God. Give him praise. Reconcile with others so you can be reconciled to God. And then live in victory. Because watch this. The judgment of God is sure. It's going to happen, it has happened in the past, it will happen in the future. But always remember this, never forget this, that mercy always triumphs over judgment. The mercy of God always supersedes his judgment. In other words, his hand of mercy always reaches out before his hand of judgment comes. He's doing it to the whole world right now. 2,000 years ago, his olive branch was Jesus Christ, his son. Here is the peace. You want peace with me? It's through Jesus. Peace through Jesus. You want peace in your life? It's peace through Jesus. You want to overcome the enemy? There's power in Jesus. You want to be pleasing to God? It only comes through a connection to Christ. Nothing else. No money, no position. Nothing. No knowledge. It comes by knowing God. So I don't know where you are in this. I've decided to get over into the Garden of Eden through prayer and through worship and through trusting God. And I believe when you do that, no matter what comes in your life, because life can deal a bunch of strange hands to us. You understand what I'm saying? But no matter what comes, Jesus helps us to overcome. So in this room right now, we're in different places, all kind of different places, man. I wish it was so simple that we could just delineate and say this. But, you know, there's a lot of people in Christ in this room. But then within that group of people, there are people who are up and down all around. Some are fully dedicated and just pressing in and kind of moving forward. we got others are dabbling and playing a religious game, and that's all going on. Then there's some people who are outside of Christ and, and, and just, you know, caught up in something and don't know what. I would say, why don't we just surrender? And let the word of God wash over us this year. And let him change us. Because that's what some of you desperately need today. You need a major change in your life. Let's bow our heads together. Can you do that for just a moment? And let me speak to you real quick. You who are in here right now, who don't know Jesus. Look, I didn't know Jesus. And you're, you're, you're sitting here and you say, my goodness. I've just been all around. I've just had some monumental mishaps, but I need to get back into the prevailing plan of God. I want some Garden of Eden atmosphere in my life. You do that by surrendering to Jesus. And it doesn't matter if you surrendered a long time ago and you just turn your back on God. But right now, if you say, Pastor Van, I want to live for God. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I need him in my life. You're in this room right now, and you say, Pastor, that's me. I just want to pray for you right where you are. We're not going to do something weird. I'm just going to pray with you right there in that seat where you are. I just want you to lift your hand and say, I mean business with God today. I truly want to just go ahead and shoot your hand up. If that's you, there's a hand there and there. Come on, hands here, hands over to my right. Come on, just, just, just trust the Lord right now. Just trust him. He's extending his hand to you. This is your chance I don't use fear, but I tell you right now, yes, thank you so much. I don't use fear, but you know what? No one is promised tomorrow. No way, not even me. So if you're sitting in this room right now and you say, you know what? Jesus has got to have a better way to live than I've been living. Let me pray with you. If you haven't raised your hand, shoot it up one more time. Come on, if you had not done that, thank you, thank you, thank you. Right here, right now, you who prayed the prayer, just follow me as I pray and just begin to express your heart towards God. Just begin to open up your heart. Father, we love you. I thank you, Lord God, for sending Jesus to die for my sins, to cleanse me and to change me. And so I submit myself to you today. I honor you, Lord God. I repent of the way I've been living. I, I changed my mind. I, Lord, I changed my direction and I, I, I humble myself to you and ask you to forgive me and ask you to come and live inside of me. And to truly, God, make me the kind of person you want me to be. God, I wanna get back in your plan today, today, right now, I am yours. And I wanna thank you, Lord God, that you are mine. I thank you for it, Father, because of Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen and amen. Come on.
1: If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.